The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Good evening and hello again, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk New York. Here on WGBB Merrick, Long Island, New York. Bill Donahue here. I'm taking you through the first hour on this Sunday night. It's the 23rd day of October 2022. Our engineer, Brian Graves, is with us, as always, right across the way. Happy to welcome you aboard tonight. Glad you could be with us. We've got an ABA, American Basketball Association, theme show on tap for you. Two guys who actually, in one point in their careers, were both Nets. One New York, the other New Jersey. Uh, a pair of two-time ABA champions, as a matter of fact. First, we'll speak with the great Dr. Dunk of the Indianapolis Pacers. Also, Annette Darnell Hillman will join us. And in the second half, we welcome in the two-time ABA champion, once in 1976 with the Nets, Jumbo Jim Eakins will regale us with tales from the ABA. So sit back and relax, get comfortable, enjoy this edition of Sports Talk New York on GBB. Some great stuff ahead for you. As always, I invite you to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter at WGBB Sports Talk. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Donahue WGBB. And if you miss a show... Fear not, because they are all archived out on the website. You can listen to them at your leisure. Well, our first guest played in the ABA and NBA during his career, two-time ABA champion with the Indiana Pacers. He was known as Dr. Dunk and was the NBA Slam Dunk Contest winner in 1977. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the show tonight Darnell Hillman. Darnell, good evening. Hello, Bill. How are you, sir? We're doing wonderful. We're doing wonderful. How are things by you, sir? I can't complain. Wouldn't do any good anyhow. I exactly. Violin uh, <laughs> music with a big beach towel. <laughs> good, good man. Okay. Now you played your college ball at San Jose State, where you had your jersey retired. Uh, you were selected in the first round of the 71 NBA draft by Golden State, but you opted to go to Indiana instead in the ABA. Why did you choose the ABA over the NBA, Darnell? Well, the um, Golden State had uh, said, give them 24 hours mm-hmm. to uh, get back to me. And 36 hours later, I still not had heard from them. So I call, contacted my uh, advisor, and we got on the plane and flew out to Indy, which I think was probably the best decision uh, during my career, uh, mm-hmm. coming here to the Pacers and getting back-to-back championships in the ABA. Wonderful. Right. Wonderful time. Worked out well. Worked out well, that's for sure. You played six seasons for Indiana. I. Uh, you joined the NBA later on. Uh, of course, you're famous for your slam dunks and uh, the Afro hair. Tell us a little bit how you developed your style for dunking. Well, oddly enough, I had gone to, to uh, school in uh, San Francisco, California, and Willie Wise was my teammate. Oh, yeah. Willie, taught me how, Willie Wise taught me how to dunk the basketball, and... It 
just became uh, being a high jumper on the track team. Um, I was bringing my high jumping skills to the basketball court and just, you know, just kept at working it, dunking the ball and became a thing of, uh, somebody enjoyed watching me do it. <laughs> Through high school, I had my teachers would pay me 25 cents for every dunk I had the ball game. That took care of breakfast in the morning. Not so. bad. Yeah. <laughs> That became a thing for me, you know. Let's yeah. Let's here and get a dunk or two down. Now, with Indiana, you had uh, Slick Leonard was the coach. Talk a little bit about Slick. He's a basketball Hall of Famer. Completely. Uh, they, <laughs> they broke the mold after that one. Yeah. Um, just a very intense individual. Expected a lot of his players, but was very fair. And it was about team. Wasn't about just you know leaning on and counting on one player every night. Right. It was constantly about team, and Slick was a uh, very interventive in how he would change things up. You know, right in the middle of a ball game, we change our entire offense, and it worked for us. Mm-hmm. So he would uh, he get the best out of you. He expected a lot, but he'd give a lot back for it, and. We just had a great time with the guy. Just a great time with him. Like Such, I said, they broke the they broke the mold after that one. Slick Leonard, that's for sure, Darnell. Yeah. Now some great names on the Pacer Ball Club at that at that time. Mel Daniels, the great center, Roger Brown, uh Bob Nedelicki, there's a great ABA name for you. And of course George McGinnis. Talk a little bit about the guys on the Indianapolis Pacers back in and the Indiana Pacers back in those days. Well, when I came to the the team as a rookie, uh, you mentioned those uh, Roger Brown, Mel Daniels, mm-hmm. um, Freddie Lewis, Bob Nedelecki, and Billy Keller. Right. So those were the five. And George and I came in as rookies together and became that seven. And watching these guys play every night and doing the things that they were doing, all we had to do was just listen. And as rookies, if we listen, we got our opportunity to play. And one of the unusual things about Coach Leonard was early in our rookie year, he'd get you in the ball game and early in the ball game. You didn't have to sit and wait for a vet to get in trouble before you got your time. He'd get you in the ball game so you got the field and flow of the ball game. So come the fourth quarter, if things got a little shaky, he could throw his rookies in and really appreciated that about him and I think that was a, a big part of our success. Teams had a difficult time in figuring out our scheme. One and second of all, if you had the hot hand, if you were hot that night, didn't matter whether you were in the top five or coming off the bench, the ball was going to start through you. Mm-hmm. Everybody accepted that and I think that was a big key for us. So, you know, we could look and say, hey, Billy Keller's got the hot hand tonight, right now. So everybody got the ball to him. And if he could beat his man, great. If he didn't, we just got into our offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it worked. It never, yeah, it was never any jealousy or any envy because you knew at some point throughout the season, one of those nights was going to be your night. <laughs> right, everybody right. Yep. Now, the ABA, Darnell, of course, famous for the three-point shot, uh, run-and-gun style on the court, the red, white, and blue ball. We all loved the ABA as kids. 
emulated the the guys in the ABA. There were some very unique, I'll say unique, uh, characters in the ABA, <laughs> right? Let, let's talk about it. Come up with a few names for us here uh, about the, w- w- what I'm talking about with the unique guys in the in the ABA. Well, that's a list, and it's long and distinct. <laughs> so, um, you can probably, of course, you'll have to start with Julius. Uh, uh-huh. One of the things about the ABA times were we had the uh, psychedelic thing within. You had the very shimmering shirts, silk shirts, bell-bottom pants, yeah. platform shoes, and the different hairstyles. So I, myself, coming in, I was very, very uh, liking of the, the afro. Mm-hmm. Um, watching the guys, I recall seeing the guys from New York, watching those teams in uh, New York, the Nets and the and the Knicks. And seeing how those players dress, I think they kind of set the style for the rest of the league. And not just with the, the players, though, because uh, we had coaches that used to com- kind of compete in their style of dress, too. Um, and it was very, very different from the NBA. NBA was very formal, you know, dress code. Their players had to uh, follow a certain dress code where as long as we look presentable in the public we were able to to kind of come out there with fur collared coats platform shoes right bell bottom pants this is just uh <laughs> it was about whatever suited your pleasure yeah i remember I, one of the coaches that comes to mind darnell is uh larry brown who used to come out there with with coveralls, stylish coveralls on, and they, he, he'd be dressed in a different outfit every night. Larry Brown, Larry Brown, uh, Slick Leonard, yeah, him, very Slick too, cool yeah, stuff. yeah. Um, we had a few of them out there doing that. So <laughs> the difference in the league, I think, uh, the ABA understood that, you know, in order to survive, we had to accept it as we've got to all be together just can't be about one team. It was about the entire league. Mm-hmm. One of the unique things I think about the league was um, after a ball game, if you were on the road, that team would come and grab you at the at your hotel and take you out to dinner. And, you know, and you'd have a good time. But when the games were being played, hey, it was cats and dogs out there. You right. Know, fighting for any and everything for a win. But when the game was over, we left it all on the court and we bonded. And I think that helped in seeing the difference in, uh, players because there was a lot of players being moved around and you go to a new team and match up with different guys. You know, I enjoyed the guys that, uh, I met, uh, when I was traded to, uh, New Jersey and big hands, George Johnson. Oh yeah. Tim Bassett, Bird Averett, just to name a few guys yeah. that were there. Then some we had great the rookie names. Bernard King came along. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so some great names, unique, Darnell. Yep. Unique uh in moving around. Then I was with uh Denver. Right. When when David Thompson scored the seventy one points. The Skywalker, in yeah. One game. You know, and we had some great names on that team equally as well. So unique league. Um I think the league and the style of dress and the style of play really changed 
the face of how basketball was being looked at. Um, it became more of you were just a, you know, if you were seven foot in the NBA, you knew you had to play center. But in the ABA, you might be a four, number four, or you could be, even be a three, just right. depending on your skill set. If you could shoot the three and put the ball on the floor, they let you play out there. And it changed how teams had to approach you. Great explanation. That and I always compare the ABA and the NBA. Uh, you remember the, the merge of the AFL and the NFL. Right. You know, they were, uh, AFL was, you know, hey, we're throwing, we're passing for three thousand. Going down the field with the NFL was, we're going to pass one down and run the rest. Right. And Joe Namath came in and changed all of that. So. Right. We had the Mad Bomber Daryl LaMonica out in Oakland, yep. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the ABA, that's a great comparison, Darnell. Darnell Hellman is with us tonight on the program. I wanted to ask you, Darnell, about the, the slam dunk contest in 76-77. You defeated Larry McNeil of Golden State, and you weren't under contract at that time. Very interesting. You wore a shirt with the words bottle shop on it. Tell us about the bottle shop. Well, the bottle shop was, is a, uh, a winery here in Indianapolis mm-hmm. that was the sponsor of our softball team during the summer. So some of the guys stayed around. We played softball during the summer just to kind of stay in somewhat shape. And bottle shop was our sponsor. So, and I was under contract. Uh, this season was coming up on end and I was asked by the bottle shop if I would wear that warm-up. Oh, okay. So I wore the warm-up just to warm up, and then when I took that off, I had on my regular uh, uniform by um, uh, Adidas. Mm-hmm. So that um, everybody was getting uh, whatever it was they wanted from me. Uh, Adidas, I was wearing their jersey and shorts and shoes. And then warming up with the bottle shop jersey. After all of those years, I've gone by the bottle shop, still owned by the same family. The gentleman that owned it sold it to his sons. And I've attended over there several times and, mm-hmm. uh, the Dropping Dimes Foundation. Yes. We have that very jersey that we are now selling, or yeah selling out on the website. I was going to ask you, Darnell, if that's available anywhere. So there you go, folks. Look look yep. up the Dropping Dimes Foundation. They do a tremendous amount of work with uh, the old ABA players, and uh, it's a tremendous charity. And uh, that bottle shop jersey that Darnell wore is available on their website. Uh, you can also get an ABA ball out there, uh, an official ABA ball, not one of the ones with Dave DeBusher's name on it or anything like that, but it's as true to scale as you're going to get in, of an ABA ball. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And very nice ball. uh takes uh, signatures very well, and we've got some of the players that are around in town that uh, if you get on the website, you can get that autographed ball, get a George McGinnis or 
your gentleman that you're going to have here in a few minutes on the air, I believe, uh, has autographed a few balls and Rick Barry has even done a few for. So it's a very, very good basketball. N- nice gift for coming up to the holidays too, Don. Now that would be great. Hint, hint out there to everybody. <laughs> now, <laughs> I want to talk to you, Darnell, now about the quarters on the top of the backboard. <laughs> <laughs> now, now th- there was a reporter who heard stories of Darnell Hillman picking quarters off the top of the backboard, and uh, he wanted to know if you could really do this. Now, what did you? Th- you told him to put a hundred dollar bill up there, and let's see if he can do it, right? My rookie year, my rookie year, hundred dollar bill put on top of the backboard. Mm-hmm. I put it in my pocket. Right, I was a high jump college. So on a good day, on my good good days, I can literally kick the rim with my foot and land on my feet. Ooh! So I brought my high jumping skills to the basketball court. Right. After that first season, my coach Bobby Slick Leonard started the rumor. If you put a quarter on top of the backboard, I could jump up, take the quarter down, and leave two dimes and a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how Good that one. story. That's yeah. how that story starts. And the other, the other part to that story was the nickname Doctor Dunk was given to me from the New York. The first time I played against Julius with the Nets, Julius was with the Nets, mm-hmm. and. I'm with the Pacers, and we came into uh, New York. And um, we were warming up and just having all of these big oohs and ahs on both ends of the court throughout the game. We had some pretty big dunks. And at the end of the game, the New York press says, Sorry, Dr. J, there's a new doctor in town. Wow. That's how I got the nickname Dr. Dunk, and it's came all the way back from New York and followed me here to Indianapolis, and they stuck it on me, and it's been on me ever since. Yeah, uh, well, that's a great story, Darnell, yeah. Uh, some great ball players on on uh, the Nets teams at the end there. That, uh, as you say, Jumbo Jim Eakins played on a championship team with the Doctor and Super John Williamson, and uh, some great guys, Brian Taylor, yeah. j- just some great oh. ABA names. Yeah, the Breeze Express. He yeah, was so fast. He, <laughs> he couldn't handle the ball because he was so fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, legends! They're they're all legends now. The the haircut. You had you with the afro. You had the doctor coming in too. You had the A train artist Gilmore. Not too bad of a fro. Uh, did you guys have like a rivalry in in the afro uh, situation? No, I don't, I don't think it was a rivalry. Um, there was a activist, you know, I came out of the army mm-hmm. and was drafted into the league and I saw this activist that I used to follow. Her name was Angela Davis. Oh yeah, I remember Angela Davis. And sure. She had that beautiful afro. Right. I saw that. That's exactly what I'm going to do because the army made me cut my hair. Right. And I, that ball headed look. So I grew out the afro, and sure enough, again, you know, our league was a little different than the NBA. I don't know if I would have been able to, been allowed to grow it that that big and significant, but that became a part of my uh, 
my signature was growing the hair and then Julius came into town and uh he and I were pretty good friends and came over to my house one one evening and I showed him how to uh do his. Yeah. So he got a uh a angel food cake cutter, ladies will know what that is, and a hair dryer and you just blow your hair out. Yeah. Have the have the ends all evened out and trimmed and go from there. There you go, right. Oh man. And, and as you say, Darnell, that was part of your signature. And, uh, other guys in the league followed suit. As I said, the A train had one going on and, uh, just part of the ABA scene. As you said, it was a little, a little more casual than the NBA. Uh, not as stringent. Let the guys do what they want to do. And the personalities did really shine through. That they did. Uh, very much so. Um, those that were allowed to speak on camera mm-hmm. could, could give you some, uh, some really interesting quotes and you would have a, a good time with them in uh, conversation. Are there any guys from the league? I know you worked for the Pacers with their alumni. Any guys from the ABA that you still uh, talk to that you're close with? Oh yeah, um, we've got a few guys here in town that I speak with at least, at least once or twice a month. Uh, Dave Robish is here. Dave Robish, yeah. Uh, I just spoke with, um, Don Boozy, uh, several days ago. I talked with George Weekly, McGinnis. Mm-hmm. And, um, who else do we have here? Uh, Big Bill Newton. Right. And, you know, um, Anybody that's uh, been around here, that's played with the Pacers, I've been pretty much uh, since retirement, maybe not as much in contact with them, but we've stayed in pretty close contact uh, through over the years. We were not just a basketball team, but we've been more like a family. So mm-hmm. we had a reunion here uh, of ABA employees from the Indiana Pacers, Back in the day, we have a reunion once a year, and we probably had close to 200 people came out for that. Nice. So if you're an employee from the ABA, during the ABA days with the Indiana Pacers, everybody showed up, and we had a great time. Nice. As you say, family. Very good way to describe it, Darnell. Now, did you, were you aware of this movie that's coming out? Jim, Jim Akins is working, uh, with George Carl and a couple of other guys. They're doing an Amazon movie, uh, ABA movie. Uh, I'm not sure when it's c- gonna come out. We'll, we'll get that information from, uh, Jumbo. But, uh, had you heard about that project? Uh, yes, I have. If I'm not mistaken, um, they're probably coming this way to uh, do some quotes from uh, some of the guys that are here in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, myself, George McGinnis, Dave Robish, Bill Newton, and Keller, if I'm not mistaken, are all going to be uh, interviewed and possibly be a part of this. If it's the same group that I'm thinking of. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to certainly look forward to that. Who were some of the toughest guys you went against in, in your career, Darnell? That uh, You looked out and you said, ah, I don't know about this, you know. 
I think my my greatest challenge in matchup was um, Willie Wise. You wow! Know, I went okay, to high school yeah. with him in Utah. Stars. Willie just really he just really created a lot of problems for me in stopping him. Of course, Julius had his days. Um, here's a name you may uh, remember, but uh, Jumpin' Joe Caldwell. Oh yeah, came from the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, yeah. Jumpin' Joe could um, create a lot of havoc out there on the floor. Carolina Cougars. Trying to figure out. Yep, that's it. Yeah, Jumpin' jumpin Joe. He was one of the first guys to jump from the uh, NBA over to the ABA, as I remember as a kid. Jumpin' Joe, there's a great one for you folks. And uh, I want to ask you about the three-point, Darnell. Did did guys just uh, toss those up, or w w did you guys plan who was going to take a three? Or How big a part was the three in, in the ABA game back then? I think um, the difference in the league was the NBA had the big centers. And right. the centers dominated the paint. You know, it's tough to go in there. So you had to figure out ways to open the middle up. And if you had ABA guys coming in, playing the center, that could face the basket and shoot the three, coaches gave them, you know, the green light to go ahead and light that down. Mm -hmm. Now, if a, a center's out there knocking threes down, what's going to happen? All of a sudden, the center has to come out and try to slow that down a little bit. Right. And once you pull the center out of the middle, that then allowed the rest of us put that ball on the floor and go to the go to the class. hoop. Yeah. Yep. So, um, and I think um, the shooters that were centers were highly valuable. In you know, you didn't have a lot of centers that could face face the basket and knock shots down. Now they were very comfortable with their backs to the basket, but facing that basket. We had quite a few guys that could do that and put the ball on the floor and drive to the hole. I think um, one of the ones that uh, we have not mentioned tonight, though, uh, he came in as a very, very young man and later on developed his outside shot was Moses Malone. Oh, boy, yeah. Big Moses, um, you yeah. Know, Moses came in, he was pretty much his back to the basket, but later on he started facing the basket and like, wow, he gets going. You had your hands full. Was Issel another one of those guys who could take it outside, Darnell? Yeah, oh, uh, no question. Yeah. And no question. And he was big, and once he got the rolling, it was like, well, you could stand there and take that charge if you wanted, but <laughs> you may not play the rest of the night because right. Big Dan <laughs> could bowl in there and just roll strikes down. He could roll some strikes, and he was quick for his size. His first two or three steps, where he was uh, very, very quick for his size to get his shot open. Great, great I enjoyed stories. playing with him in Denver, watching yes. him and uh, David Thompson play together. Great guys, great names, and uh, great reminiscing with Darnell Hillman tonight uh, about the ABA. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show, Darnell. I thank you for taking time out of your Sunday night to spend it with us up here in New York. And, of course, uh, you, you played for the Nets up here, and uh, it was great having you aboard tonight. 
Well, I appreciate the uh, invite, and I've enjoyed it myself. Uh, reminiscing is not a bad thing to do. Not at all. Breaking up some <laughs> of the good names, and, you know, it's not many of us left, so we got to keep the memories alive. That's it. I thank you again, Darnell. That's Darnell Hillman, ladies and gentlemen. Up next on Sports Talk New York, we will welcome in another two-time ABA champ, Jimbo Akins. Stick around, folks. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with Sports Talk New York here on WGBB, Merrick, Long Island, New York. Kind of a rainy Sunday evening here going on on Long Island. I hope everyone uh, is having a wonderful weekend. The championship series in baseball are right at the thick of things. Uh, I have a dilemma over, over who to root for. Of course, uh, the Phillies beat the Braves, but I dislike the Phillies. The Padres beat the Mets. I dislike the Padres, but now the Padres are out, so the Phillies are going to the World Series. So the new playoff for- format to me stinks, folks. The third place team is going to the World Series. And uh, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but uh, what message does that send to the youth of America? Strive for mediocrity, kids. Go, go for, go for third place. Don't kill yourself. Just uh, you may, you may get get in there anyway and get the good job, but uh, don't beat your brains out. Uh, never try to excel. Just go for mediocrity. That, that's the best thing you can do. Uh, if you listen to me for a while, folks, you know I'm not rooting for the Yankees. So I guess uh, I got Houston for the duration. So I'm rooting for the Astros to take the World Series. Uh, right now in the Bronx, I believe they're still in a rain delay. First pitch was supposed to be at 8.30. So I think they're still holding up in the Bronx. Uh, the Yankees and the Houston Astros, and we'll keep tabs on that for you. Well, our next guest, another two-time ABA champion like Darnell Hillman, one time in 76 with the Nets, a couple of miles up the block at the Coliseum. 6'11 center out of Brigham Young, Brigham Young. He's working on an ABA movie that we'll speak about uh, with George Carl, among others. I believe that will be on Amazon. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show tonight Jim Akins. Jim, good evening. Good evening. It's a pleasure to be with you. Good to have you, Jim. Now, when you were growing up, you had a favorite team, favorite players. Who were they? Uh, Boston. Okay. I grew up, I grew up in California, in uh, Northern California, but still, uh, Bill Russell and the Boston Celtics, uh, uh, they were the champions and, 
you want to go with the champ, so right. Uh, I'd go out. I'd go out on the blacktop uh, playground and uh, pretend that I was a part of the Celtics. Great. Yeah, we all do that. As we're talking to Darnell, uh, the big thing was to get the red, white, and blue ball when I was a kid and throw up some threes and uh, emulate the ABA because that was exciting to us. The the NBA was old school. The ABA was new and exciting, and uh, they had the Floridian ball girls. And, you know, what's wrong with all this stuff, uh, the run-and-gun offense? But uh, yes. that's just a little little bit there, Jim. Now, your high school career, you went to Encina in Sacramento, California. Tell us a little bit about your high school years. Uh, yeah, I went, like I say, uh, like you said, I went to Encina High School in Sacramento, just a little ways across the city from Darnell Hillman. He went to Hiram Johnson in Sacramento. Right, yeah. Uh, he was, he was a little after me, a little younger than me. I never really had a matchup with him in high school, but, uh, we had a really good high school team. Uh, my junior and senior years, uh, we were, let's see, junior 26 and 2. And my senior year, we were 20 and 0. Wow. And, uh, they did not have in California at that time a CIF championship. So we were, uh, in most of the polls, we were the number one team in California. Uh, others said Long Beach Polytech was number one, and we were number two. But either one, they just flip-flopped. But we had a good team. Nice. Good good high school career. Uh, good backbone to, to uh, the formidable career that you did develop in the ABA and NBA. Now, you were selected in the fifth round of the 68 draft by the Warriors. And the ABA, you were drafted by the Oakland Oaks. What made you decide to go with the ABA, Jim? It was uh, simply two things. Mm-hmm. Looking at it, uh, I wondered, okay, where am I going to get the best playing opportunity? Right. The Warriors uh, had Nate Thurman in the post. And he was all pro that year. Mm-hmm. Backing him up was Clyde Lee from Vanderbilt, and Clyde was voted the sixth man of the year. And I said, okay, I'm going to sign with a team with an all-pro center and a sixth man of the year backup. <laughs> yeah. And so then I, I looked at the Oakland Oaks of the ABA, and they were a mess, and I thought, okay, I get a lot of playing time there, plus Oakland offered me more money. So the combination of the two, I went with the ABA for playing time. Good reasons. Good reasons for sure, Jim. Yeah, when you explain it all to us, we can see you made the right choice. We're speaking with Jim Akins tonight on the program. Now, about the ABA, when people ask you about the ABA, I know we, we spoke about it with Darnell. We touched on a little bit of it earlier. Uh, what do you tell people about the ABA? I tell people that the ABA, uh, the ABA was the early, uh, front, uh, no, I can't think of the word right now, but, uh, 
the ADA was what the NBA has become. Ah, okay. All right? Yeah. That's what I tell them. I tell them, uh, when I came into the leagues and both leagues playing at that time, uh, the NBA was a boring game. It had a boring ball. It had uh, <laughs> a game of come down, throw the ball into Wilt Chamberlain or throw the ball into Nate Thurman or something, and a couple cuts off of them, and, and the ball goes up inside. And the ABA introduced a game of run and gun, mm-hmm. fast, move up, uh, great moves to the basket, uh, a lot of play above the basket by players other than the center. Uh, you know, you had Doc and Darnell and those guys that leaped out of the, the gym and they were above the rim. And it was just a more exciting game with a three-point shot with it. And that's what, uh, that's what the NBA emphasizes now. As you say, Jim Zhu, and an exciting basketball to play with. I mean, we loved it. There was, there was nothing better than watching the red, white, and blue ball fly towards the rim as a kid. Uh, to put, put on your converse with colored laces, you know, and get out there and uh, emulate the doctor, emulate Jim Akins, uh, you know, emulate, uh, Brian Taylor, Larry Keenan, and a tremendous, tremendous uh, job by the people who put that league together. Now, when you were with the Oaks, you won the ABA title. You had, uh, I think Rick Barry was on that club, and, and Larry Brown and Doug Moe. Did, did you have any, any indication that Larry and Doug would go on to uh, very successful coaching careers? I did with Larry. I mm-hmm. did not know with Doug. Um they were roommates uh on the Oakland Oaks and the next year the Washington Caps. Right. But um Larry Larry was a student of the game. And we would go on a road trip and I would walk down to get a pre game meal in the restaurant and Larry was always huddled over into a booth with uh with the coach. And whether it be Alex Hannum, whether it was Al Bianchi, it didn't matter. If there was a coach there, he was huddled and picking their brains and going over situations and, and just talking basketball and learning the game. So I knew Larry Brown was gonna, gonna really emerge as a, as a coach and, and probably be a great one. And, and he did. Yeah. Doug was, Doug was more of a surprise to me, but he learned a lot from Larry Brown too. Great, 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 great guys, great coaches there that, that we're speaking about folks, Larry Brown, Doug Moe, uh, and as we spoke with, with Darnell, the coaches, uh, were not the, or the players were not the only sharp dressers, uh, uh, on the floor. The coaches used to come out, uh, in some, some pretty stylish and wild outfits too, like Slick Leonard and Larry Brown. And that was all part of the ABA scene, wasn't it, Jim? <laughs> that sure was, yes, yes. We, uh, especially those two, Slick and Larry Brown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We are chatting with Jim Akins tonight on the program. Now, I was speaking via email with your son, Jeff. 
And that's, that's how he, we got put together tonight. Uh, he has written a book that, that, uh, is awaiting publication. And it's about this gentleman by the name of Chopper. And you're familiar with Chopper, aren't you, Jim? Very familiar yes. with Chopper. <laughs> now, Chopper with, was... without giving away the book or, or the store here, Fill the folks in. Uh, I'm, I never heard of it, and I've read uh, Loose Balls. Um, you know, I consider myself fairly well-versed on the ABA. Never heard about Chopper. Fill the folks in, Jim. Chopper was, <laughs> Chopper was, was the ABA. <laughs> Chopper was uh, just indicative of the whole ABA story. Uh, we, when they... Uh, Oakland Oaks moved to Washington, D.C. my second year. Uh, we were suddenly in need of a trainer. And Al Bianchi was the new coach. Alex Hannum did not want to move back to the East Coast, so uh, Al Bianchi was uh, hired on as a new coach, and he found we needed a trainer. So he called uh, some of his contacts in uh, the Philadelphia area and they they uh, recommended this guy named Chopper uh, Travellini yeah and uh, and so I showed up at training camp and and for a couple days we had we were trying this trainer and then they got rid of him and this trainer and they got rid of him and probably about the third or fourth day of training camp, uh, walked into the locker room and here's this short Italian guy that was puffing away on a cigarette and, and taping guys furious and talking a mile a minute and, uh, uh, just going on and on. And after about three, after about three tape jobs, he says, it's really hot in here, and his shirt came off, and another two tape jobs, and his pants was off, and he's down in his shorts, and and uh, in the locker room, just going a mile a minute trying to tape guys, and, and that was our introduction to uh, Chopper Travellini. Now, now uh, he was a guy that... Guys like Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, the doctor, Frank Sinatra even went to when they were in town to play the Nuggets or, or to have dinners during All-Star weekends, right? He, he uh, had an A-list of friends. <laughs> he did, and he had uh, some of them were good guys and some of them were not so good guys. Chopper knew everybody. That was one of the things. He had a contact for everybody. If you needed something, oh, I got a guy, Jumbo. I got a guy. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What do you need? What do you need? Okay, I got a guy here. Let me make a phone call. And uh, uh, it didn't matter what you needed or, or where you needed it. He had a guy that could help you out. And he had poker games in his hotel room with mayors, police chiefs, gangsters, and and everybody all at the same table, right, Jim? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, great. 
the the police chief was sitting there right next to or across the table from from the local gangster in the in, in the city and and they were just playing poker. Yep, that yeah. was like I say, he knew it didn't matter whether it was good guy or not so good guy. He knew them all and he he was friends with them and and uh that, and helped you know, just, yeah. just did everything together. That that's it folks. This gentleman Chopper Travellini was the trainer uh for the Washington Caps, the Squires in Virginia, and of course the Denver Nuggets until about nineteen ninety nine and what a colorful character. As you say, it really defined the ABA, a guy like Chopper, and I wanna remind you to keep an eye out for the book by Jeff Akins uh about Chopper and uh probably may or, or of next year is when Jeff said it may may come to pass, but I will keep you guys informed because uh, it's a great read. I have a PDF copy uh, of the galley, and, and it looks like a tremendous read. And also there's one story I want to ask you about Chopper, Jim, is uh, the uh, the greyhounds in the training room. Tell us <laughs> Tell us about the greyhounds in the training room. Well, Chopper loved the track. Okay, yeah. he loved to go to he loved to go to the track and uh, uh, bet the dog, bet the horses, and or the dogs, whichever were running. And uh, I believe it was in Denver with Dan Issel, and uh, and Dan walked into the training room and and he looks over and in the in the whirlpools were some dogs, these, these greyhound dogs, and <laughs> Chopper, what's going on here? Yeah. And uh, he says, oh, he says, we've got to get these dogs ready. He says, he says, I, I need them to run good. I need them to run good. So I'm, I'm working <laughs> them out. I'm, I'm trying to help here. And, and uh, oh, man. Yeah, he had them in the, in the players' locker room, in the whirlpools, and rubbing them down and everything so that they would, they would run good at the track that night. Amazing. As they say, folks, you can't make this stuff up. So I'll keep you informed as to the book about Chopper, who really symbolized the ABA and uh, just the the tremendous times and stories that come from a basketball league that wasn't really around all that much. Now, uh, aside from Chopper, Jim, there were a lot of unique characters on the court with 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 different stories. I mean, Darnell was one with with uh, his dunking ability. And uh, off the top of your head, Dean, can you come up with a few more guys that were really uh, – had their own great story in the ABA. Uh, wow, so many, right? You have, yeah, you have Darnell and Mike Gale, Mike Gale, and and Julius Irving, all all contending for the biggest Afro. Oh yes, <laughs> we spoke about that with Darnell. Yeah. I, I remember also uh, artists artists having a big fro, and uh, who was the other guy? Well, Doc too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they they all took pride in their in their afros and 
and they would all compare when they, you know, they met each other on the court, and they would compare to see who had the biggest and who, who had the best. And so, uh, yeah, there's really, really some characters. Uh, there was just some some outrageous characters too. Wendell Ladner. I was just about to mention Wendell Ladner, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, he he was the guy that that just flew up and down the court, uh, <laughs> launching himself here and launching himself everywhere and uh, taking out uh, water bottles and seats and everything in the, on the sidelines and everything, uh, diving after balls. Just uh, unbelievable character, too. How about the Skywalker, David Thompson? David Thompson, yes, uh, tremendous, tremendous player came into the league and, and, uh, he's another one that was above the rim, making right. things exciting. We are speaking with Jim Akins tonight on Sports Talk New York. Now, as far as the toughest guys you had to go against, guys that you really don't look forward to seeing out there that night, who would you have to say were some of the toughest guys you had to play, Jim? Number one toughest guy for me was Zelmo Beatty. Wow, okay, yeah. And, and there was a reason for that. You see, you know, I was 6'11", 7 foot, and, but I was o- only 213 pounds. Uh-huh. So I tried to put on weight during the off-season, and I'd come into training camp, and I'd be 240 pounds, and I'd think, okay, I've got some weight to bang with these guys. And, there was, <laughs> and three days later, after running in training camp, I was 213 pounds again. Wow. And so, no luck. You know, you know I, I had trouble banging with guys and, and pushing on them that, that were much bigger. Uh, Zelmo was 6'9", and 245 pounds. And so because he was shorter, he had against Artis Gilmore and, and some of the guys, he had trouble also. So we had similar games. Our game was out there in the post. We were out there pushing, shoving, biting, kicking, <laughs> scratching, uh, tripping, you know, whatever we could do. Yeah. To, to get an advantage on these bigger guys. Well, so when we got together against each other, we were kicking, biting, scratching each other. And, uh, you know, we I just come out of the locker room after a game with Zelmo Beatty just covered with Band-Aids and Mercurochrome and, <laughs> and those things. All you needed so, was the guys with the fife and drum to walk next to you, right, Jim? Uh, yeah. All bandaged up. That, that's great. The immortal Zelmo Beatty, folks, who went, I played for the Utah Stars. I know that. He came from yeah. the NBA, from the Atlanta Hawks, and uh, an immortal, another immortal name in the ABA, Zelmo Beatty. Now, the, the docu-series on Amazon, Jim, what can you tell us about that? Uh, I don't actually have that much information on it. Okay. Uh, I, they came they, uh, to Denver when I was in Denver at a meeting there, and we had a, 
we had a wonderful interview, and they said, oh, we want to come back to Salt Lake and do some more interviewing with you. But it's a, it's a docu-series that they are, they are really serious in putting uh, the real face of the ABA out there and what it was really like playing in the ABA, the excitement of the game as well as uh, the quirkiness of the teams and the quirkiness of the players and, and uh, you know, recording what it was really like in the ABA. And so that's what they're working on and uh, trying to make it just as authentic and, and true to fact as possible. Well, we certainly look forward uh, to that. Still in production. Yeah. I know they're still in production. They're still going around interviewing people. Uh, I believe that they're heading towards Indiana to do some interviews there. And so, and that there's, you know, it's still in production. It's, it hasn't been scheduled yet for, uh, release. Okay. We will, we'll look forward to that. Keep our eyes on that. I'll keep you guys out there apprised of that. Now, your championship with the Nets, who, who, as we know, just played a couple of miles up the road at the old barn, the Coliseum. Oh, thank you, Brian. Um, tell us about the, uh, the Nets and that championship year. And of course, you played in the final game in ABA history then with the Nets. Yes. Yes, we did. Let me, let me just say for you, your New York, uh, listeners out there, before, before Nassau Coliseum, we were over playing in the Comac Arena. Right. In the, the early, in the <laughs> yeah. early days. And the problem about, the problem with that was the Comac Arena only had three sides on it. The fourth side was under repair and, and, uh, it was open and just had big tarps over it, and it was freezing cold. <laughs> we petitioned to try and play the games in our sweats oh, man. <laughs> uh, because it was so so cold in, in the early days of playing the Nets. Uh, but then that final year, that final year we got together, and, and I was with the Utah Stars, and uh they went bankrupt and i was picked up in the dispersal draft by the virginia squires and i went back to the squires and i was only there for for a um a drink of water is is that and they traded me to new york and so i ended up on on that great team with new york uh, against David Thompson and, and, uh, Denver and Dan Essel and, and Bobby Jones and those mm-hmm. guys who were on the, the great, uh, Denver team. And so we had a, we had a great series, uh, coming down and, uh, ended up being able to, to win one in Denver. Which gave us the home court advantage at Nassau Arena. And boy, I'll tell you, when we showed up to Nassau Arena, that place was packed and those, those New York fans there were just a cheering and, and, uh, raucous and everything. 
Um, yeah, they love the ABA but, here. Yep. Yeah, in support of us. We uh, we had a uh, oh we we had quite a game uh, coming in there. Denver was determined to get us to to take us uh, back to Denver. And we said no way, but they were up twenty some odd points on us in the first half. And then John Williamson, Super John Williamson, mm-hmm. just took the game over and uh, and brought us back. And and then Doc finished it off, and and uh, uh, we ended up winning that last ABA championship. Wonderful story. Wonderful reminiscing with Jim Akins tonight. It's been a pleasure, Jim, to have you with us. I thank you for taking time out of your Sunday night to be with us uh, here on Long Island. Uh, I really appreciate you stopping by. Thank you. It's it's uh, good reminiscing down and thinking about some of these players. I uh, I've been involved with this uh, a little bit with this. Uh, uh, NBA recognition benefit for ABA players and, uh, I've been able to track down, uh, all of the players that are remaining, uh, and talk to them and get their email and, and phone numbers and that. There's only, there's only about 140 of us left. Uh, okay. no, 126, I believe it is. 126 of us left that, that played in the ABA, so thinking about these players is good. Outstanding. Thanks again, Jim. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. That's Jim Akins, ladies and gentlemen. And that will do it for me tonight. We got to go on out of here. We don't got to go home, but we got to get out of here. On Sports Talk New York, we'd like to thank my guests, Donnell Hillman and Jim Akins, my engineer, Brian Graves, and of course, you guys for joining us. See you next on November 6th with some great sports talk again. Till then, be safe, be well. Bill Donahue wishing you a good evening, folks. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.